0: How does BYU's top recruit in 1986, who's a quarterback, and LDS, and related to Lavelle Edwards, and so much more, not go to BYU? (laughs) I'll tell you how. Helmets Off is on. All right, sports fans, welcome back to another edition of Helmets Off. Scott Mitchell, your host here. Fun show today. And maybe a, a little bit heartwarming, and maybe a little bit tearful. Who knows where it's going to go? Uh, my my former college football coach, Jim Fossil, at the University of Utah, uh, has passed away. Um, rest in peace, coach, and and my thoughts and and prayers to his family. But um, that was a that was quite uh, an emotional thing for me. A lot more than maybe I I thought it was going to be. And Coach Fossil was, uh, was significantly important in my life at, at a really important time. And I'm not sure he fully understood it even in the moment. We're going to talk about that. Also, the Utah Jazz, they're the number one seeded team. They got the best record in the NBA. Nobody cares. Nobody cares about the Jazz. Nobody thinks the Jazz are going to win a championship. Everyone's talking about everyone else except for the Utah jazz. One of the teams they are talking about the LA Clippers are the jazz opponent right now in the playoffs. The jazz as of this recording are up one zero. Can the jazz win a championship? Can the jazz beat the Clippers? Can the jazz ever get something more than a Rodney Dangerfield never got? And that's some respect. Ah, I'll give you my thoughts on that one. And then. Who was my best? Who was like the best coach I ever had? Best one. Uh, I'll tell you who that is and uh, why uh, as we go through. So a lot of fun things. A lot of fun things that I like to talk about and hope you enjoy this. I grew up in Utah County in the state of Utah, 15 minutes from Brigham Young University in the 1980s. In the heyday of Lavelle Edwards' career, Right in the middle of such names as Steve Young, Jim McMahon, Robbie Bosco, Mark Wilson, Gifford Nielsen, all of them. All of them except for, well, they all went and played in the pros. There's Super Bowl winners, there's Hall of Famers. I mean, that's a list of quarterbacks to come from one school remarkable. And I grow up in the middle of this. Not only do I grow up, I'm a huge fan. Massive BYU fan. Go to all the games. I'm a quarterback. I'm related to LaBelle Edwards, the coach. And it's not like some, you know, ninth generation relationship you know, you find on Ancestry with a, you know, with like a DNA test. No, it's like, it's like, he's a cousin to my grandma, right? He, it, and And he looks like my family. And uh, so so he's, he's a relative. To make it even more interesting, Gifford Nielsen, who was kind of started the whole thing at BYU, played in the NFL for six years with the Houston Oilers back in the, in the late 70s, early 80s with, you know, uh, Earl Campbell, used to take me to football camps. And I was his roommate. And we would go uh, – and so, you know, here I'm with this NFL quarterback. I'm this 12-year-old snot-nosed kid. And Gifford Nielsen, who's – you know, is, he's my roommate. How cool is that? He's a – he's one of the most well-known people in the sports program at BYU. On top of it, the coach at the time for the baseball team, Gary Polins, was also uh, someone that I had worked with. He he'd actually um, – Mentored me in uh, baseball and and uh, gave me private instructions, things like that. And all of this was like above board. It's, you know, I took I took baseball lessons from from Coach Polis when I was young, and 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 I just developed a, a relationship, friendship with him. And 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 so I would go to all their camps in the summers. I was as BYU blue as you could be. I started to get recruited. I was, a, I was a highly sought-after recruit. Lavelle Edwards sat in my house with Norm Chow, who was the offensive coordinator at the time, looked me in the eye and said, Scott, you're our number one recruit. And uh, Norm Chow said, yep, you come to BYU, you'll be an All-American, you'll have an amazing career, you'll go play in the NFL, and you'll probably compete for the Heisman Trophy. You'll be in the, you'll be in the running for the Heisman Trophy. I'm a 17-year-old I'm a kid hearing this, and I'm like, where do I sign? Then the recruiting process got crazy, and I got so confused because every person I talked to, every school that I went to, oh, this, I, this is where I want to go. I mean, I went to Stanford, and I'm like, why would you not want to go get a Stanford education in the beautiful campus, and I could play baseball and football, and I could play in the, the Pac-10 conference at the time? Why in the world would I ever not want to do that? I mean, that'd be crazy, right? Well, um, so I got confused. And and I, I always thought it was BYU, but th- then I started to wonder. Well, I'm I'm uh, sitting in my room on a Monday night in February, and the next Wednesday, which was two days away, was the National Signing Day, and I, I was confused. I didn't know what I wanted to do at this point because everything sounded good to me. But did the the only thing I knew that would bring me some kind of clarity is I just prayed about it. I'm I'm in my bedroom all alone praying and the phone rings to the one phone we had in our house, which was upstairs. I was in the basement. And I'm I'm there with my eyes closed and I'm on my knees and my mom yells down to my room and I'm you know, I'm talking to, to my maker, to God. And I'm like, help me out. I just do not know what to do. And she says, hey, Scott, Jim Fossil's on the phone, the head coach at the University of Utah. And, and in, in that moment, I was like, well, I don't want to talk to him. Like, I'm trying to get an answer to the prayer. This, this is just another coach talking to me. And, and, I'm, and it's just going to make things more confusing for me. And I, I almost did not take the phone call. I reluctantly said, whatever. So you know how the, the the phone is on the wall mounted and then you have a long cord. <laughs> so I had the cord pulled out. I was halfway between downstairs and upstairs. I had the you know, I had the, the earpiece up to my ear, but the, the, the speaking part I turned up. Barely had the phone even like touched to my ear. Did not hear a word he said. Didn't, I couldn't tell you the first, sentence out of his mouth halfway through the conversation i had one of the most powerful moments of my life and i i I had this sense of just warmth like just cover my entire body like someone had just poured soothing warm water all over my body and it just it made it made my whole countenance just feel amazing. And in that moment, I knew that my prayer I'd been asking what to do and where to go that it had been answered. And I was relieved and I had this sense of peace that I hadn't felt like for the last, you know, 3 months of being recruited. So I hung up the phone with coach Fossil Before I did, I said, look, I'm really close. I will give you a definitive answer tomorrow. Meet me at this restaurant in Springville, and I'll give you my answer. So we show up at this restaurant. It's called Coach's Corner. It's um, a local diner, hamburger, french fry, shake place. We go in the restaurant. We sit down in a booth. And behind Coach Fossil, which I didn't know at the time, he told me later, was a picture of LaBelle Edwards, you know, because they had it decorated in sports memorabilia and all that stuff. And he thought, man, this kid is going to put me right under LaBelle Edwards and tell me that he's going to go play for LaBelle Edwards and I'm going to get punked here in a, in a big way. And so I didn't know that, but I sat him down. I said, Coach, I'm a Utah man. And I think he about died. I really do. I think he about died in that moment. And, and I probably did too. And it was, a, it was a bold move. It was a bold move for Jim Fossil to think that he could get BYU's top recruit from their backyard not to go to BYU. And I can just tell you that uh, clearly, divine intervention happened for me. And that, that was the reason. But the guy that made the phone call, the guy that was there was Coach Fossil. Like he showed up and he showed up in that moment and uh, he was there. And, And this moment going to the University of Utah, for me, I realized was so much more than just sports. It was about my personal life and really building a foundation for me to move forward for the rest of my life. And I didn't fully, appreciate or understand how significant that was until i've lived life and you 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 formulate your foundation your belief system your uh how you're going to live your life and i did that in college and it was all because of that decision and it put me in a in an environment that fostered me finding myself probably better than maybe anywhere else i could have been so here was this man who was bold enough to think he had a chance because I'm just telling you, Jim Carrey had a better chance in dumb and dumber than I had a chance of going to the university of Utah. I mean, it just, I just didn't even consider it realistically. And then I look, I look at coach fossils, um, you know, his, his history. And, and he was this guy that was uh, willing to go out on a limb and be bold on And it didn't matter what the stage was. He's coaching the New York Giants, and the Giants aren't playing very well. They're struggling. And this was right in the middle of my NFL career. So I'm, of course, following Coach Fossil and how things are going for him and, and understanding very acutely what he is going through and how tough the media can be and how much pressure there is to perform and to win. And a lot of times when the pressure, gets on coaches they hightail it (laughs) like it's everyone else's fault they don't they don't care they're just like look you're you're on your own here and a lot of times they'll throw it on the quarterback they'll throw it on the assistant coaches but it it will never be the head coach's fault Jim Fossil said look this is all on me and this football team's going to make the playoffs and coaches like that's a death sentence just so you know that's like, you, you, you know, if you're, if you're playing the game, you don't make that statement. Jim Fossil said, I don't care. Anyways, he leads the Giants to the Super Bowl and the playoffs and does it in one of the toughest places to win and the, and the, the most scrutinized place to, to be probably in all of sports. And it always stuck with me that he, he, was, he was willing to do that. And, of course, at, at Utah, we end up in 1988 beating BYU for the first time in 10 years. BYU had owned Utah. BYU was so much better, better athletes, better program, better everything. They were the class of everything that was really college football in the Intermountain area and, 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 and really college football. I mean, BYU was a national program won a national championship and had all, I mean, just tremendous players, you know, won Heisman trophies, won Outland trophies, won conference championships, won national championship. They they were a program that was very successful. Well, uh, Utah had no business beating BYU. And again, Coach Fossil leading the troops was willing to do something that was just outrageous and bold, right? It was just insane. And, and then um, the offense we ran and it was, was, was so fun, was remarkable. I loved, I loved getting the opportunity to, you know, be in that system. And, and, and I grew a tremendous amount. Um, unfortunately, we did not win at Utah. And Coach Fossil, I believe, probably learned more from his experience and his failures at Utah than anything else. And I'm a firm believer in those are the things that really create the foundation for you to succeed is, is your failure. And when he had that, um, um, you know, he gave a speech and I, and, and and I was, it was different. We were in a meeting and, and he, and he talked about, this is the direction the program's got to go. and And I know it. And this is what we're going to do. And this is what, and I, and I'm hearing this and I'm going, yes, he is right. This is, and I was so excited, so excited about where it was headed and what was going to happen. And and he uh, uh, got fired three days later. And I just remember thinking he finally figured this out. He figured this out and it's too late. And I think that's kind of where he is in his life now. You know, he figured out earth. And it was time for him to move on, time for him to, to go to heaven and and go to the next phase and the next chapter of, of his of his existence. So he had a massive impact on my life. Uh and uh it was just so such a pivotal moment for me, and he was right in the middle of it. I'm forever grateful for that. And and I really am. And the crazy part about all this, he wasn't he wasn't um he wasn't the best coach I ever had. Uh, we're going to take a break. And when we come back, I'll tell you who that was. All right, sports fans, welcome back. It is uh, Helmets Off. Scott Mitchell here, your host. Talking about uh, the passing of Jim Fossil, former New York Giants coach, longtime assistant in the NFL, and my coach in college and kind of the impact he had on my life. And, uh, you know, there's more, uh, you know, I had more coaches and there's more to coach fossil. I mean, there were things that he taught me and drills and, and did, you know, always stuck with me. And, and there was a drill, the one that really jumps out in my mind is when I drop back and he had a bag and he would follow me back. And then I'd get to my, my set point and I'd throw the ball. And as soon as I threw the ball, he'd smack me with the bag, like, you know, two hand shiver me with the bag, really hit me hard. And, uh, and he wanted to feel the resistance I gave when after throwing the, the ball. And then sometimes he'd come back and I'd throw the ball and he'd fake like he was going to hit me and not do anything. And he wanted to see if I flinched. And, of course, early on, I was, I, was, I was, like, taking on the hit and I was trying to, like, match power with power. And he's like, no, you can't do that for two reasons. One is uh, it, you're going to get hurt. And two, you can't be worried at all what's going on with this, uh, you know, the front and the, the lineman. Your eyes have to stay downfield. I've learned through my time as a as a quarterback and at all levels, you learn how to be calm in what I call the chaos. And your life is going to have that. You're going to you're going to have things that are just like, oh, man, you know, coming at you from all directions. And a lot of times people panic. They take it on when they need to just kind of relax and just absorb and just let it happen. Or or they overreact to something that actually doesn't happen, like when he fakes it and you flinch. And so it's a great metaphor about dealing with um, the situations of life. Take a deep breath, just be calm and and, uh, stay focused when crazy stuff is going on. You're going to deal with it much better and more efficiently and really probably in in a more healthy way you're always stressing about things, you know, it's, it's going to wear, wear on your, on your health and your being. And, uh, and, and, and that drill just always stuck out to me. I don't know why, but, and it was a great drill, a really good drill. Cause it's, it's what's really happening in a game and you get, you got to learn how to, how to be comfortable and, and, and be effective in that chaotic pocket. But really the greatest coach I ever had was, uh, was coach Shula and coach shula why he was so great to me is there was this there was this like drive in him to get out of you as a player and he did this with everyone to to get your very best and not to get it occasionally not to get it you know once but all the time and he demanded that excellence in in practice, in meetings, in games, and he he made you uncomfortable. And at the time, I hated it, and I hated Coach Shula. And I can't, I can't, you know, I've I've heard so many guys say this and say, you know, we didn't really like Coach Ula. And the thing Coach Shula tell you is, I didn't like you either. <laughs> it's like I I was. I was like, you know, I'm here as serving a function, a role. And my role is to set the standard and hold everyone to the standard. And I have to do that. And so that's not being your buddy. Your buddy's like, forget practice, forget that. Let's go have a good time. Coach Shula is like, no, I'm here to get what's inside of you out. I'm here to get the best of you out. And he did. And he was he was a master at doing that. And he was a master at taking the and realizing the fundamental things were everything. And he just drilled and grilled the fundamentals of football into your brain. But here's here's the thing that is so lost in football today, and it really is. And I hope that we can publish this statement. That in today's professional football, the coaches are taking out the creativity and maybe some of the very best ability of players by not letting these players call their own plays. Coach Hula was so good at saying, all right, I'm going to create a foundation. I'm going to create a direction for you. And now I'm going to let you go do it yourself. And he said to me, when I first got there and I had to call my own plays in practice and I had to figure it out, think about, shoot, instead of just, coach, just tell me the play. Well, I'll just run whatever you tell me. I had to think about it. And he said, a couple things happen. One, you learn the offense. And two, I can have the best plays in the world. I can have the best ideas in the world. And if you can't execute my ideas, what are they worth? And we do this in, in society, we do it with our kids, we do it in sports, is we're, we're so controlling. And we're so like, you know, heaven forbid, you let someone go figure this out on their own. Or you go, I believe in you enough that you can handle this, and you'll do this. And what what I found in my experience was it made me so much better. So much better. And the way I knew it was better is because later on, I wasn't coached by Coach Shula anymore. I went to different teams and had different coaches. And I would sit there and go, why don't they do, why don't they, doesn't everyone do it like Coach Shula? Because it's just ingenious, it's smart. I mean, how they, how they ran practices, how they organized their, their days and their weeks. And, and when I was with Coach Shula, I was underwhelmed by all of this, by the way. I mean, I thought, oh man, I'm drafted by the legend, Don Shula. And I'm going to be there with Dan Marino. And I got, I got there, I go, this is kind of boring. This is like, really? This, is, this isn't like, the, the secret sauce isn't in the place. The secret sauce is in the system, the, the structure of everything and the implementation of, of executing fundamentals on a play-by-play, day-by-day, moment-by-moment basis. That's where you got good. We would we would have a play that we would design and we would run it in practice two, three, four weeks. We'd run it to a point where we go, Yeah, we got this. And then we'd implement it in our in our system. I go in I was in systems, I was at the Baltimore Ravens and Brian Billick and and how he was this offensive genius and guru. We had a brand new offense every week. Like you could not get good at any play. And it was it was just about the most frustrating thing I've ever been a part of. And some people, you know, want to be the smartest people in the room. I mean, they just do. And and so I just felt like Coach Shula. Well, I know um, giving the players the ability to find and develop their talents, their skills, was probably the greatest thing he did aside from he just found a way to get the very best out of you. And I mean, that, that was part of the process was he did, he, he was demanding, but he wasn't overbearing. It wasn't, he didn't, he didn't hold you down with the iron thumb. All he said was, if you don't do it right, I'm going to tell you to do it right. I'm going to expect you to do it right. Anyways, it was uh, he was brilliant, brilliant. And I know recently Dan Marino Came out and said, "I hope no one gets his record." And I I echo that statement because, and I know Bill Belichick's a great coach and he's done phenomenal things, but uh and Coach Shula was was truly remarkable. And I'm not going to talk about the ones that were bad because why why dwell on that stuff? So, but he well, quite frankly, you find bad coaches and you have bad coaches, and you it makes you realize what a great coach is. And not only what a great coach is, but I don't know, just, you just appreciate it more. So uh, take another break here. Utah jazz top record in the old NBA this year. Nobody cares. Hey, sports fans, Scott Mitchell here. uh, Helmets off. Thank you for tuning in. Uh, If you like us, go to Facebook at the Helmets Off Podcast, Twitter at the Helmets Off Show. Give us an old liker there. Uh, You know, subscribe if you're hearing this. I would imagine you probably subscribed if you're hearing this, but not subscribe. So we like you. We love you. We appreciate you. I um, have been a lifelong Utah Jazz fan. And I'm just. I'm baffled, baffled by the lack of discussion, respect, expectation of most people in the in the NBA world, the sports world, about the Utah Jets, who own the best record in the NBA this year. And 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 they fought. I mean, they played the same games and the same teams that everybody else did, and they found a, a way with injuries, with you know the challenges of this shortened ski- season and the uh, and the compressed season and they found a way to win more games than anybody. So I I applaud the Utah Jazz. Now you know that doesn't necessarily mean anything as far as the playoffs are concerned or, or you know the Utah Jazz winning a championship, but come on. because you at least get some respect? Well what's happening with the Jazz and, and here's why Here's why I believe the Utah Jazz will actually win the NBA championship. Everyone talks about these young emerging superstars, Trey Young, Luka Doncic, and no one says Donovan Mitchell. But look what Donovan Mitchell's done the last two years in the playoffs. Scored over 50 points in three games a year ago against the Denver Nuggets. Was amazing in in the first round and the first game of the second round uh the jazz have not lost with him playing uh, he basically carried the team to a first a first game victory and just said you know it's on me and that's what a superstar is and he's a guy that's that's creating a game that uh is a tough out you look at some of these guys like lebron or damon lillard or, or lillard or you or steph curry or or kevin durant these guys basically are going to score. They're going to take the game into their hands. And Donovan Mitchell has proven now that he has that capability. So, great, you have Donovan Mitchell. and Everyone knows, yeah, that's not going to work. But this Utah Jazz team has a depth that's probably stronger than any team in the league. Any team, okay? And uh, so you've got a lot of guys that can score 20 points a game. Jordan Clarkson, Joe Ingalls, Boyan Bogdanovich, you have, uh, you, you have uh, um, Donovan Mitchell, you have Mike Connolly. and really you, you have Rudy Gobert that could score 20 points a game, but but that that's that's a different part of my discussion, what I'm so high on the jazz for. And and so you've got this depth. And and what what the depth has created is Mike Connolly was out game one, probably be out game two, but the jazz have been able to adapt their lineup to to kind of fill in that void now mike Connolly's in and the jazz are at full strength they're they're going to be tough there's they're going to be tough for someone to beat period there's no great team in the nba there's just they're they're just i mean the, the brooklyn Nets probably the closest to these bot super teams injuries um that they're, you know, they're they're trying to figure that out. They may not ever be at full strength through the playoffs. And and uh, and the Jazz can match the scoring output of this team, but the other side of it for the Jazz, any great team wins championships, plays great defense. Rudy Gobert just won his third Defensive Player of the Year, and you can't tell me that he doesn't impact the game. He does. He allows the teams to play tight out defense on the perimeter, guard against the three, so your tight coverage, what do you do? You drive by. You attack the basket, and Rudy Gobert owns the basket. And I realize they do things to try to pull him out of underneath the basket, whatever, but Rudy Gobert has had the best season he's ever had in the NBA this year. He's more active. He's more aggressive. He's, he really understands his place better than at any time in his career, and of course, he massively impacted uh, game one when he blocked a, a three-point attempt uh, with with just seconds to go that would have tied the game so uh, but you've got a you've got you have this team concept with a superstar a great defensive player and a lot of guys that really are about team basketball they understand their roles and they all fit very well together so the the, the design the makeup of the team fits well with the strength of what these players can do and the the Utah Jazz over I just believe over a seven game series will should be able to win four games in in all of the series they play uh yeah the Phoenix Suns are are a prolific team they're tough they're 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 going to be a challenge for the Jazz but uh and I don't expect any team not to be but I just don't see a team that just goes, yeah, we're, we're just that much better than the Utah Jazz. And I have, for the life of me, do not understand why people aren't talking about this. Beyond that, this team, you can see it in them. Their whole focus, their whole drive is on winning a championship. They're, they're not like, let's go to summer break. They're not like, uh, we're packing it in right now. I would be surprised to see the LA Clippers fold here in, in the next few games. Uh, they just It just feels like they've kind of had enough at this point. All right, well, that's uh, Helmets Off is now off. Thank you for tuning in and I uh, appreciate Madison for her help in producing uh, the podcast and thank all of you for being a part of it. Of course, kslsports.com is where we are located. So uh, download the KSL Sports app and you can get anything you want. All right, uh, until then, folks, we'll see you then.